0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: The weather outside is frightful, but HRN is so delightful.
0: Time to get your voicemail entries in for the fifth annual Holiday Radiothon by Stateline Tech. It is your chance to win over $5,000 in prizes. What better gift can you receive at Christmas than cool horse stuff for you and your horse? Prizes this year include your choice of any WinTech saddle up to a $1,500 value, or you could win a $500 gift certificate from Kelly Heard Jewelry. Other great prizes from other great companies include Uncle Jimmy's, Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, Monty Roberts, Smooth Stride Jeans, Stateline Tack, Horse Lovers, Gene Abernathy, Cavallo Boots Biostar Horse Holster Benefab And many many more You have until November 18th To get your entries in Visit HolidayRadioThon.com To see how to enter That's HolidayRadioThon.com Head on over today You don't want to miss out This is
2: episode 20 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Casual Products, Bait Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Thoroughbred Makeover and New vocation. It's going
3: to be a standard bread spectacular today on Retired Racehorse Radio. We are talking to Alyssa Hedges of ROC, the standard Bread to learn about how these horses can do more than just race. Dr. Siemens comes on to talk about how a horse's sight can affect their behavior. New Vocations ambassador and standard bred mom, Colleen Nolan Tran, joins us to talk about her experience at Equine Affair, and we come on with our grand finale with New Vocations Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. Listen in.
4: And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse.
2: This is Jamie Jennings, and I'm in
3: Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Calamity, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Woo! What's going on, girl? We have got standard breads today. That's so exciting! I know. I've been wanting to talk about them for a while now, and I just feel like the pieces are all coming together, and we're ready to branch out, not that thoroughbred makeover is done for at least a couple months before we yes. get back to next year's.
2: <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, I'm watching people like, I'm buying my next one. I'm looking I for know. my 2020. Uh, so amazing. So yeah. that's awesome and I do want to tell everybody that I pre-recorded this interview with Dr. Siemens and it is about vision with horses and it is super interesting. It, it kind of has made me change the way I kind of think about things when I'm I'm introducing a horse to a new thing. So definitely don't miss that. You know we love Dr. Seaman, so he came on and did a great job. How is how is life for Joy? Things have been good, crazy. You know I missed the
3: last episode because we had the farrier out. And guys, let me just tell you if if you suspect something is off about your horse, trust your gut. Really, I, it's not my horse, but it's a, a horse I take care of over the winter while her owner goes to Florida, and. She was coming up lame for weeks, like almost three-legged lame after a trim. And, you know, I just told her, I was like, this isn't normal. I, I don't know what he's telling you, but it's not normal. The truth is he was trimming her so short, like as if she should have shoes, that she couldn't support her weight. And you could actually put your thumb on the frog and feel the joints moving around without really putting pressure. Like it was getting to a really bad place. So we, we ended up doing some corrective shoeing with her, it took five of us to hold her up. Just Aww. the pain was so intense. But as soon as it was done, it was so rewarding to see her comfortably walk off. Like you could tell she was just kind of feeling the shoes out, but yeah. she was able to walk and she's never done that after a trim. So it's, it's a long road ahead, but I'm really glad that my friend trusted me. We switched barriers, we got x-rays and it looks like this horse is going to have a bright future, especially she's so young. So yeah, if you... If you notice anything's off, just trust
2: your gut. It's worth you know, asking questions. <laughs> it's funny you mention that because I've uh, dealt with the farrier this week as well. I, it is so important to have a good team surrounding you mm-hmm. with your off-the-track thoroughbreds, standardbreds, breads, any of your horses really in general. I just... I just felt like the horse that I have in training right now, AJ Daylight, he he's he is really coming along super quick. Wow. He is impressive. But I just felt like there was something a little bit, not 100%. And he was adopted out and then kind of got in a bad situation and the rescue took him back. And he had at that point, at some point had some bad trimming and he had some abscesses pop through the coronary band. So, you know, that leaves that defect in their hoof as it grows down. Mm -hmm. Well, those defects, I feel like have been making him not super comfortable. So I contacted the rescue and I contacted my farrier. And they are paying for us to get bar shoes on the, for just a couple of the cycles and really working with the farrier. She's a certified journeyman. She's amazing. And we're going to put some corrective shoes on him for two cycles. And then hopefully everything will be grown out in time just to give him a little extra stability. So it is very important. Like you've probably noticed this week is to have a really good team around you Mm -hmm. and you know, your farrier Just like your veterinarian needs to explain everything to you. If you have questions, ask them, make sure that they have answers for your questions. And don't be afraid to get a second opinion.
3: If the, you know, the answer you get doesn't come off right of kind of like this one, I've been trimming for so many years. And (laughs) if your horses can't even go outside to go get the new hay bale that the owner just put out. You should get a second opinion. (laughs) But I've
2: been doing this for years. Since before you were born, well, it doesn't mean you've been doing it well. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, uh, we would like to thank our, our, our first sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. We would like to thank them for being our title sponsor.
5: Let's hear from them. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride." She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability. Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today.
3: Well, I'm really excited to welcome Alyssa Hedges. She is the president and founder of Rock the Standard Bread. She was born with a horse dream and grew up primarily trail riding and was introduced to Standard Breads as a teen, but not as racehorses. They were under saddle. So Alyssa, welcome to the show.
6: Thank you very much for having me.
3: So you were introduced to Standard Breads at the racetrack, which I think a lot of us see them at cart races. Where did you initially meet your first Standard Bread that left this impression for you?
6: Yeah, I had absolutely zero clue that harness racing even existed. So I spent a lot of my summers as a teen working at YMCA Camp Weona in Warsaw, New York. And our camp program would just do trails. It wasn't a specific horse program. And so we would lease horses locally to come in for the summer. And a lot of the horses, just because it was a close proximity, I'm assuming, to Buffalo and Batavia, and the racetracks there were standard runs. And there was this one little gelding that showed up one day and he came in at the end of the season and my boss said to me, I don't know anything about him, figure it out. So I, from that moment, I was absolutely sold. I fell in love with that horse. He was probably 20 something already, but he was just a lot of fun and we connected right away. And the impression that he left on me, obviously was really, I mean, I fell in love with the breed, and it wasn't until after, you know, that I was like, Mm. oh, harness racing, okay, that's interesting. (laughs) So did
3: you know if he was an off-the-track standard bred, or do you think he was just kind of bred and didn't make it?
1: I did a
6: little bit of research Mm -hmm. um, at that point, uh, because I'm in my 30s now. So at that point, with the age he was at, they were only doing the lip tattoos. And Mm -hmm. his was just, you know, as they age, the the tattoos are harder and harder to Mm -hmm. read. Um, What I thought I knew as far as the alphanumeric digit, I called into the USTA, you know, back in the old days when we didn't have the internet and it, I just was wrong on all my guesses. So I never quite figured out who he was. He obviously did, you know, was bred, whether he did anything at the track or not, I have no idea. Okay.
3: And you said he left this impression, you just, you were smitten with him. What were the things about the breed that stood out that you're like, oh my gosh, I, I want to learn more about them?
6: I would say our herd, I want to say it was probably about 20, 25 horses that we would have to rotate through. And I would guess the last couple summers that I was working there, probably seven to 10 of them were standardbreds. They were just super amiable. Super level-headed. They weren't as cantankerous as some of the other horses that we had coming through. We actually had one that somebody must have taken for the winter and done some trick training with it because she would rear on command. But to me, they they were just goofy puppy-dog type personality, and that's, you know, my favorite because I've always just enjoyed being around them. I cared less about riding, you know, so for me, personality is a big thing.
3: So... Tell us how that influenced Rock the Standard Bread, which I called ROC before, but it's Rock the Standard Bread.
6: So that was a big part of my life through high school, and I got out of horses for quite a while, and as an adult, got back into horses, and I I picked up a younger Appaloosa Cross off of Craigslist and was looking for something because he was only a year and a half at the time, so he was just kind of a sit-and-wait type thing. I was looking for something that I could get going right away. And in my time doing that, I came across a group of rescue people up here, and I just kind of learned quickly they were not breed-specific, but I learned quickly that a lot of people didn't understand standard Mm bread as an adult. and that they could be ridden and, you know, that they could go out and do all these things. And so I kind of felt a call, you know, to start to educate people. No, 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 you know, these horses are fantastic. Especially if you're talking about the person that wants to pop on once or twice a month and go for a trail ride and be safe. You know, are you going to have all of the same abilities, you know, and that the thoroughbreds are doing? Probably not, you know, but the, the standard breads definitely have their strong point point in a really good market that's being missed out on. So we got involved with a local breeder up here and some rescue work, and I ended up taking in another gelding. And just from there, it kind of snowballed. So Rock the Standard Bread initially started as a Facebook group, and it was just to connect people locally that had taken horses off of this farm. And that kind of grew to, well, why don't we start promoting all the things that they can do locally and try and build a market here? And then that snowballed into, well, you know, why don't we build a market everywhere and try and drive up adoption rates at programs like new locations or standard bread retirement foundation, or, you know, why don't we try and fill this void? You know, all the people that are doing the rescuing are focusing on the daily care and the retraining. So why don't we try and build that
3: market. I think you've done a great job with that too. I'm on your website right now. And just even the main screen, you have them as hunter jumpers, pulling a cart, Western pleasure. Like you're really showing the versatility of them. And you have this amazing quote, and I hope it's okay that I read it on here. Those who know the breed will claim the standard bread is one of the world's best kept secrets a breed that in addition to being the fastest horse in harness also excels under saddle and faces every task asked of it with gentleness, patience, and a bottomless heart. That was from Horse Illustrated in October, 1993. And I think you're absolutely right that we hear so much of off-the-track thoroughbreds, even our own podcast really focused on thoroughbreds this year. You don't hear as much about standard and you created that platform to bring people together. And it looks like in your resources, you're attempting to do a potential makeover for standard breads. Tell us about that idea.
6: Absolutely. I would love to. We've, there's been a couple of small ones on the East Coast that have popped up, but the makeovers that the thoroughbred people are doing are obviously huge. And I think it does a lot to shed light on what the breed can do. And that's what the standard breds need. My goal would be at this point to just do something New York State, whether it was bred in New York State, race here and just kind of focus on that right now Mm -hmm. um, because growing to something that's a nationwide type activity is just that's a huge undertaking. Yeah. So uh, whether 2020 happens or in the next couple of years, definitely something that's on my radar. Just a, a quick little snippet about somebody here locally reached out to me. They had a horse that they retired off the track a few months ago and he's only eight years old. And these people, the owners and the people that were training it committed to putting this horse under saddle, right? Mm-hmm. So this is fantastic. This is the, the awesome side that maybe we don't publicize or give enough attention is that there are people out there that really truly, love the horses even when they're not racing and want to set them up for success in their second careers. So they sent this horse to a local farm that focuses on dressage. And the trainers there had never even considered having a sander bred in the barn, Mm. let alone trying to retrain it to ride. And he is now entering his 90-day month of training, Mm -hmm. and they're absolutely smitten with the breed at this point. Um, The one thing that I will say about the breed is that the work ethic is there, and whether or not they're fully ready to do what you're you know, asking them to do under saddle, they will typically give it their all. So I think that having a challenge is not so much to promote the breed to potential adopters, Mm -hmm. but also getting them into the hands of trainers that might not give them a chance otherwise. Mm -hmm. You know, because the trainers are the ones that are making the recommendations to their clientele, you know, so... The standard bread is gonna sell itself to anybody. They just have yeah. to have be given the chance to sell themselves.
3: I love that. And I'm hundred percent with you. That's actually why I created Retired Racehorse Radio is I got an off the track there and I there wasn't just that one stop shop to have, you know, training tips and advice and to know people are also going through some of the the less glamorous sides of training an ex racehorse. Oh, sure. Um But they can do so much. So, And I also love that you're also looking at doing what's the Shades of Bay Riding Club. And that's also kind of in the works, too. But it's for the people who aren't interested in competing but still want to promote the breed. Tell us your vision for
6: that. Yeah. So I didn't grow up showing. um, And I I personally really have no desire to show. And I think that the the horse world is at a point where a lot of the, the middle class folks don't quite have enough money to go out and show, (laughs) you know? And so I feel like at least locally um, the show circuit's getting a little bit smaller um, and that it maybe is a little bit more difficult for the people that are not super serious. So I wanted to still have that community feel. um, And that's where the Shades of Bay Riding Club came in. You know, what can we do to get people together and really just have that camaraderie of getting the breed out, going out, doing trail rides, doing hunter paces, and really taking a good handful of these standard breds out to a hunter pace and introduce them, you know, to the people and the other horses that are out there and show them, again, you know, their strong points. And I think that it would be important as well to get them, a large group of them out in the public, because there's this idea that, you know, they're all these ugly bay jug-headed, you know, big roman nose, big-ears horses, mm-hmm. and that's not so true anymore. I had a, a gelding a few years back. People thought he was a quarter horse. Um, I had one that looked, he was gray, and he looked a lot more like a Lipazon. Um I've got mm-hmm. a little one right now that I'm trying to help place, little two-year-old, that looks like a Morgan, you know, so there's just a huge variety,
7: mm-hmm. and
6: I think that that would help to educate and maybe open up people's eyes, you know, that, oh, I'm not going to get this big ugly Roman nose, although I love the Roman noses. (laughs) I
3: love it. And if people were interested in either trying to help, maybe they have some ideas with how to take these ideas off the ground, either the makeover, Shades at Bay, or, you know, just want to learn more about standard breads. You have such a great site. Where can they go to find that?
6: Definitely go to my website. I think has the most information. It is certainly optimized for desktop viewing, not mobile phone at this time. Just because I'm the one building it, and I haven't even addressed that. Um, but please do hit up the Um Yes, please. If anybody is willing to help get these projects off the ground, I will gladly take the help. I'm definitely at a point where. You know, the more hands we can get going, the, the faster we can get these things going for ultimately the horses. Personally, never saw myself trying to run a nonprofit. Uh, I learned a lot this year, and I just keep reminding myself, you know, it's it's for the benefit of the horses, and the more that we can all work together to take care of them, the better it's going to be for them. So.
3: Absolutely. And we're on there too. If there's any way that we can help you, we're more than happy to do so. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on today. We were so excited to have you and uh, we'll be following your efforts into making the first big standard bread makeover. I'm going to challenge you to, to run that shit.
1: <laughs> all right. All
3: right. We'll, we'll aim high.
2: <laughs> all right.
3: Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank
2: you. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From candle bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. To stay up to date with the latest products and news, follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or visit CashelCompany.com. It's time to bring in our favorite veterinarian here, and he is the uh, official veterinarian of Retired Racehorse Radio. And I would love to talk to him about something that is I- I'm really no, interested. Wait, let
0: me in. stop you there, because if we call him official, he's going to want paid. So let's uh. take that out. And uh.
4: no, Just, no, you give what you give me a title. And then you don't have
0: to pay me. Oh, see? I like that. You're the official veterinarian yeah. for both shows. See, <laughs> see what I'm, see
5: what I'm talking about? Of yeah. yeah and well,
4: of course- I, I, asked, I remember asking Glenn the first time we talked on the phone, you know, did they call me because of my expertise and my brilliance? And he says, he says, well, actually, you're the only one we could get to work for free. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, 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 got, got, got that out there. Okay.
2: And this is, of course, Dr. Madison Siemens from Cornerstone Equine. Thank you for joining us. You're up in the land of the frozen up in Idaho. So you are going to give a talk, I believe, about how vision influences behavior. And just that title alone makes me super interested. So the floor is yours, doctor.
4: Well, thank you so much. Uh, This is something I've been studying for a while now we get to see the various aspects of equine behavior in our practice on a daily basis. And, you know, the question is, you know, why is the horse afraid of me? I think the question should be, why does he ever quit being afraid of us? (laughs) (laughs) I love the term natural horsemanship. I mean, there ain't nothing we can do to these guys that's natural. (laughs) If if we think about it just a little bit, you know, we're always viewed as predators. And the reason that that that's the case is because horses are prey animals. And we we're viewed as predators because we're smaller than they are. Our eyes are in front of our head, and we smell like bacon or a Big Mac or something. So it just amazes me that we could, we could ever have caught the first one. So I think it's just a testimony to their, their forgiving nature, and I think that's part of why we like them so much.
2: Well, and that's part of it, too, is you, you have to work to prove you're not a predator. Even though some of us are vegetarians and don't smell like bacon, we're still considered predators to them. <laughs>
4: exactly. Exactly. And so one of the one of the things that I find very interesting about about working with horses is what I call horseman's mythology. And so that's some stuff that, you know, somebody said this 200 years ago and now is set in stone. doesn't necessarily be true. But you know people just believe it. so when we think about we think about vision, there's several aspects we have to understand that horse's go-to position is always going to be threat assessment. how does he going how is he viewing the world so that he can stay alive? okay survival of the citizen all of that And so threat assessment you can divide that up into several aspects of horse's vision and the first one of those things that we have to recognize is the horse's blind spots. And so the horse has perceives the world in three images, two monocular images out of one eye on either side, and then one binocular image of the world that he can use as two eyes to triangulate. But there's a blind spot right in front of his face for roughly four feet. And so if you're doing something directly in front of a horse, there's a lot of what you're doing that he cannot see. Mm. So he's just kind of going on trust that you had not not all, all of a sudden turned into a the saber tooth butterfly or a carnivorous grocery <laughs> bag, you know.
5: Okay. So, in all
4: of those images, all of those images are integrated in their brain, which makes for a very interesting set of physi- physiology and anatomy. And, and uh, it's just amazing uh, how the horse can function at, at any level, much less at the level at, at which they do perform for us.
2: And that so just to show you how amazing they are, and the fact that they truly, will perform for us out and, and absolutely. How
4: incredibly Absolutely, and I was I was made painfully aware of a blind spot many years ago. I was working on a, a horse outfit on the East Coast, and there was a fairly large dry lot that we fed horses in. But there was not a gate big enough to get a pickup in there, so I had to, I had to hand carry bales of hay from the fence or from the truck inside this big dry lot and put it in the feeder. And there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a drainage, a little creek like affair running through the center of this of this dry lot. And so I had to step over it carrying this bale of hay. And I realized this is what the, we were asking the horse to do at a dead run when we we're asking him to jump something. I could not see the creek because I had that bale of hay in front of me. Mm. I could see way off to the side to the left, way off to the side to the right. I could see the creek as I was approaching it within a few feet. But there was a time when I was completely blind and I had to step over that Counting the steps, I knew to be how long it would take for me to get over there without getting my feet wet.
2: Which so if you jump horses, that is kind of how they do it, is they pretty much memorize it before they get there.
4: Absolutely. And then and then, and then take that another step, turn that bale of hay up on its end, and then walk into a telephone booth. Mm-hmm. Now I understand that, that 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 a lot of people of our audience are going to be miss are going to miss this because we don't have much much of the way of phone booths anymore, but that's what you're asking a horse to do, when you're asking him to get in that trailer. There's a whole bunch of that trailer he doesn't see, wow. so it, you start thinking about this thing. So, so we think about this. Uh, there's threat assessments. There's uh, part of the horseman's mythology is that the right side of the horse's brain is not wired to the left side of his body. You've probably heard that before, and that's why we we do fly spray on the left side of the horse for the first time, and then we go over to the right side, and it's, it's if, as if the horse is saying, where did you come from? Mm-hmm. Everything all starts over again. Well, the horse's brain is wired up left to right, and I'll explain that to you in a second. And so the third thing, so we're dealing with threat assessment. We're dealing with with left side, right side, and uh, and blind spots, and then we're also dealing with... Changes in shape, that's how a horse assesses threats. And so a change in shape is going to suggest motion. And so a predator is not not any danger at all if he's holding still. So it's only when he starts moving that's when he becomes a danger. Hmm, that's so
2: interesting. That Uh, And because I have a Mustang and we always say, you know, what's the, what's the one thing, the hardest thing in the world to find. And that's something a Mustang hasn't already noticed. And it's very true with with lots of horses. And sometimes when I would uh, be riding out with him and, and, and thoroughbreds too, you see a human walking around all, I'm like, can you please say something? Just, I don't know. Speak so we know you're not a threat. <laughs> that is interesting. That it's when they're moving. I didn't think about
4: that. It's it's the motion that, that that's that's what tends to trigger them. That's why you could take a really good horse, turn into a real worried horse on a windy day, because you're seeing lots and lots and lots of shape changes. The leaves are blowing again. Those saber-toothed grocery bags are blowing across his, his field of vision. <laughs> got this kind of this kind of stuff going on. But at a real basic physiological level, okay, there's no doubt that the horse's left side is wired to the right because of something called a pupillary light reflex. And so that's when you shine a light on one eye, you will get a constriction. And that's that's because the pupil, the hole in the iris is actually responding to a lot of light in that area. And so when you get a lot of light in that area, it, it constricts. Well, it'll happen to the other eye. It's called a direct and consensual pupillary light response. So the horse's brain is wired left to right at a very, very deep primitive level because you get that consensual and direct uh, PLR, which means that, yeah, they are wired up. And the other thing I always find interesting is, is, now don't throw your compass away when you go up to the high country, but I have found that when you get lost, at first time you've ever been on a trail, several miles away from the from the trailer. If you will turn around and give the horse his head, he will probably be able to find the trailer in almost a perfectly direct route. So, if the re- left brain is not wired to the right, how does he memorize the left side of the trail when he's seeing it only going in one direction?
2: Please so tell think, me, because that is a mystery.
4: Well, it's, I- it's it's because it's because it's because that 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 left side and right side. Communicate, and so we, we know that that there's going to be a little difference when we go, when we go over on the right side to do something. But as you will notice that when you're doing something, fly spray is a great example. When you're doing something on the left side of the horse, and the first time we fly spray them, they get a little worried about that. Because and there's other, there's many of these uh, sensory inputs that are affecting that. However. I think a big part of that thing is this, just the change in the shape that they're seeing as they, as they see us on the left side. And so it may take four or five minutes to fly spray them on the left, but it only takes one or two to do it on the right. That's because they've got those images that will communicate left to right in their higher brain centers where all this photic, this image information is stored.
0: So let's get back to the trail. So I'm, I'm 10 miles out. I turn around. I don't know how to get back. It, it, does it, is the horse's memory that good or is some of this instinctual?
4: Well, I mean, it, I guess it depends. That's a great question, Glenn. I guess it depends on what you call instinct. And and we know, well, for example, for the longest time, people said foals didn't see very well. Well, I don't agree with that. I think the foal sees just as well at birth as he's going to see at 10 years of age. But he doesn't have images stored in his memory banks. So he doesn't know what a fence is. He doesn't know what a stall door is. We turned some babies loose for the first time. One, one particular baby had been sick, and he'd been confined to a stall here this, uh, this past spring. And so there was other foals out in the pasture. And the first thing this foal did, once we got him out of the door, which was a challenge because he didn't know what a door was, the first thing he did was he ran into the fence. Thank God it was a smooth wire fence, and he bounced off and jumped up and started running around again. But you will never see that foal run into that fence again because now he has that image of a fence stored in memory banks. Once a, once a foal has learned to negotiate the, the physical challenges of going through a stall door, he will never again have a problem going through that stall door. But that first time, he doesn't have any images stored in his higher brain centers to tell him what a stall door is.
2: And this, uh, Dr. Siemens, is why training horses without violence is so important because you go you want your horse to do, it's like, say you want him to get in the trailer and you walk him up to the trailer and inevitably somebody's going to bring out the whip. You whip them. You're convincing the horse that they were right the whole time. That trailer is terrible. We shouldn't go there because you're going to get whipped. And so forever they have this image in their brain of getting whipped while they're standing at the back of the trailer. And, it, you got to work pretty darn hard to get that out of there. You got to replace all those pictures, those bad pictures with good ones, hundreds and hundreds of times before you can get rid of that. That's why it's so important to train horses without violence. But on uh, and exactly. another note. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, we've got the 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 shape changes, which I find fascinating. When you're like I I will be riding my horse and there's a pasture of horses next door and no big deal until the horses start trotting down the side of the fence or even walking down the side of the fence. My horse that I'm riding, and I ride mostly off the track thoroughbreds here, they all, oh my God, what is that? And so it makes sense that there's changes of shape. Do the horses need to be able to look at that? Or should I just be like, let's get back to work. Come on, ignore that. What do you think is the best way to handle that?
5: Not to well, care. there's there's
4: there's a couple of ways to approach that. And that's a very, very good analogy. And so you got to remember, you got to remember. So you've got, you've got the shape of say you, you're standing on the left side of the horse, but there's, but there's some contrast in the background. And so you're standing in one place on one day. And so behind you is a, is a horse trailer and a large tree on the left side. But on the other side is a fence and a, and, and, and a hedge and, and, a barn. Well, those, those images that those contrasting backgrounds are totally different images for the horse. So you're moving along a background setting that's changing shape all the time, every time you move, and so that's—I think—that's what they're seeing. Now, there's, you got to remember, they're not just visual animals. There are other there are other sensory inputs that are going to affect this, and so a group of horses moving on the left side of him. Is going to elicit a, a response because of l- a lot of visual and olfactory stimuli. They don't smell like carnivores. Okay. Mm-hmm. But again, it's that, it's that shape change. There's also sort of that mass hysteria that, you know, one horse sticks his tail up in the air decides to stampede yours is one of gonna, gonna, going to go, to want to go with them. Right. Because this is, Oh yeah, you're afraid. I'm afraid. So this, this spills into a couple of other aspects and we'll, we'll touch a little bit on the trailer loading thing. Uh, The horse's uh, uh, light accommodation happens very slowly. And so when you and I walk out of a darkened theater midday, we're blind for uh, just a few seconds. Within about 15 seconds or so, our eyes will accommodate, our pupils will constrict. We're not getting so much light information going back into our retinas, and, and it's more comfortable for us to be outside. A horse is designed to see in low lighting because that's when the predators are out. And so their accommodation to light happens very, very slowly. In some instances, maybe up to four or five minutes. So when we ask them to go into a to a to a treatment room in a clinic someplace, or in a horse trailer, or even just a darkened barn, or going from a dark barn outside, they are going to be functionally blind for a longer period than we are. Uh-huh. So when we ask them, we're having a trailer loading exercise. The poor horse. He's got blind spots. He's got fear. He's got you being aggravated because you won't get in because you decided to train him to get in the trailer thirty four seconds before you have to go to a show.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> so he's got all this stuff going against him. You know what I mean? And so if we just stop and think a little bit that 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 light intensity accommodation occurs in a much more slow manner because of the nature of the retina, the back of the sensory the nerves in the back of the horse's eye, which are designed to see motion and low lighting. So if we start thinking about these things, then we can, start to, we can start to appreciate what the horse is going through. And this spills over just a little bit into, into some other behaviors that, that you mentioned about seeing other horses. What I have found when I'm on the ground with a horse, especially with a patient, If the horse shows me some pretty intense interest in something that's going on, I will actually, and I know it sounds kind of weird, but I will actually walk with the horse over to whatever it is he's interested in. And so uh, a horse being a prey animal is looking for a safe spot. And so the beautiful part about this this whole relationship that we have, if we can prove to him that we're a safe spot, all of a sudden... And it takes some time. But of a sudden, what will happen is when the horse gets worried, he will look to us as a safe spot, not run over the top of us and leave us flattened as he's leaving the country because he doesn't <laughs> see us as safe. He sees us as an impediment to his flight.
2: <laughs> You're, so, I mean, you just described training horses i mean that's the whole thing is to get them to trust you and to not worry about the rest of it because i'm your safe spot
4: precisely so it's not just training but all it's also in working with them and i see i only get about 90 seconds to establish myself as a safe spot so i have learned some things over the recent half a century that will help me to establish that very quickly one of the things that i've learned early on was that when I, when I when when one of my patients is showing an intense interest in something that's going on over there someplace, I just walk over there and share it with them. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, their head drops, their eyes soften. So now we go from this adrenaline, cortisol, stress hormone dominated beast that's fixing to leave the country to something that's got more serotonin, more endorphin, more relaxed. Drop their head, licking it, chewing, eyes softened. I mean, all of these things go with, with this horse understanding that I'm no longer a predator, but now I'm a partner. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't take long to get that type of response if you know how to do it.
2: Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Dr. Siemens, we, of course, have run out of time, but this is fascinating and just ties in so well with us just wanting to have a good time riding our horses and and. and just interesting. So thank you very much. You guys can find Dr. Siemens at cornerstoneequine.com. There's one E in between cornerstone and equine. And he also has a book, never trust a sneaky pony and other things. They never taught me about school. So you can find that on cornerstoneequine.com. Did I get it all?
0: You did. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm gonna have to start. Pay- I'm gonna have to start paying you more.
0: I right? I, I came up with a solution to the Doctor Siemens problem. I he is now the president of Veterinary <laughs> Services at Horses in the Morning and Retired Racehorse Radio. Is that good Dang. enough? Does, does it come with dental?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we gotta float we can have we can get you floated yeah, yeah, we'll, that's right.
0: no we'll get you floated <laughs> <laughs>
4: i can do i can do that myself i so enjoyed it thank you thank you <laughs> bye all right bye
3: to celebrate the holidays if you purchase a new bait saddle in november or december you can redeem a free set of bait saddle competition luggage Bait saddles offer highly specialized saddles for every discipline engineered to bring out the best in you and your horse. Underneath the finest European leather, you will feel the power of innovation. For you, the rider, enjoy instantaneous comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. For your horse, the Care Cushion System and Easy Change Fit Solution ensure this absolute comfort and your peace of mind revolutionize your riding experience and fulfill your true potential by riding in a bait saddle conditions to apply visit baitsaddles.com to find out more that's baitsaddles.com so our next guest is Colleen Nolan Tran. I follow her on Instagram because her horses are freaking adorable. She's a software engineer, animal lover, and a proud adopter of two off-the-track standardbreds from New Vocations. And she's here to talk about her experience at the Equine Fair in Massachusetts. Colleen, welcome to the show. Hi,
7: Joy. Thanks for having me on.
3: So I'm going to ask the the most basic question:
7: What drew you to standardbreds? <laughs> So actually, what drew me to standard is thoroughbreds. I grew up kind of a thoroughbred person um, with more of a thoroughbred background. And one of my friends had adopted an off-the-track thoroughbred from New Vocations. And so when I found their site and I was clicking through the thoroughbreds, I kind of strayed a little bit and I saw the standard breds. And I was like, hmm, what could I do with a standard breds? And I saw a little bit of the background on the standard And I read a little bit about the breed and I was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> like I like trail riding. I like playing with my horses. I like, you know, some of the slower, <laughs> not necessarily getting out and riding every day. And it sounds like a standard bread might be more suited for me.
3: Interesting. Cause like for me, so. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I've always known standard were there. There was a track near my college, um, for cart races and you just don't think of them as riding horses at first. Like, I think there's that stereotype involved. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting that you kind of took a step back and analyzed what you needed out of a horse and then you ended up getting two Are they bo- and they're both from new vocations, <laughs> correct?
7: Yeah. So I got my first horse cricket and I kind of was just, like I said, I was just poking around on their site and I was like, hold on, standard look good. I read a little bit more about the standard bread on like, um, I think they had like a, a pamphlet, like retraining the thoroughbred and retraining the standard bread. Um, and when I read that, they obviously had been listed as like a riding horse. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this seems fine. And then from there I just kind of got my first horse cricket. Um and I had such a great time with him. I loved him so much. When I moved to my own place and had cricket home alone, cricket needed a friend. So I was like, another standard bread. <laughs> That's how
3: horse math works. When you get one, you're really getting yeah. two.
7: <laughs> I love it. So yeah. when
3: you got them, did you find like I don't know. What were some of the challenges with getting an off the track standard bred? Cause I can, I can easily list off all of mine from my thoroughbred, but <laughs> you don't hear as much with the standard. Yeah.
7: So with the standard bred, it's not so much, or at least it wasn't for me with either one of my horses, right? Like you get a thoroughbred, you know, you have to let them down off the track. You know, they are a little more high strung. They're a little more high energy, but with the standard bred, I didn't have as much like track mind with them, right? They're mm-hmm pretty easy to handle on the ground they're pretty quiet you can pretty much well again this is just with mine but could trail ride them out pretty much from day one and they were so like well behaved and quiet um for the standard bread, i think the challenge that most people face is teaching the horse to canter if you want to canter with your standard bread, that takes a little more retraining you can okay. pretty much hit the trails right away um, it does take, uh, you know, weeks or months before you can have the standard bread canning cantering comfortably.
3: Okay. And you do now, do you do positive reinforcement training with your horses? Because I <laughs> uh, see more yeah, like all the cute Tom trick Cat. things and it's, I just love watching your horses. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do that with mine. Yeah. How does she Tom... do it?
7: <laughs> <laughs> Tomcat's really smart. Um, he's like, uh, to be honest, I do a little bit of clicker training with both of my horses. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't think cricket really cares for it. Well, I mean, he likes to treats, but he's not, <laughs> we love cricket, but he's not a super genius. Um, he doesn't really enjoy the problem solving. He's just like, let's practice the things that I already know. But Tomcat on the other hand, he gets so bored so easily and he's so smart. So for him, I've been training him. See, I taught him recently to step up on a pedestal. We did a little bit of Spanish walk. Um, I was teaching him how to lay down in the summer. Although, the big ask in the winter when they get real muddy I don't really want to clean them off <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah I've done a lot of tricks with Tomcat especially because he's just unbelievably smart I love that that's
3: and I think it shows the versatility of the breed again just different personalities different ways to do things and you trail ride with them do you you also show jump with them correct
7: With Tomcat, yeah. and So Cricket doesn't quite care for jumping either. He's quite good at it. (laughs) We'll do it a little at home, but (laughs) away from home, he would probably um, embarrass me a little bit. He probably would not not be happy to do it. So um, he humors me when we're at home. And Tomcat, he was a really great jumper when I was jumping with him. He Mm. had a soft tissue injury last summer. I don't know. It's been a while. And so I've been bringing him back slowly and possibly more jumping in his future. But that's kind of what led down the trick training route when he was taking time off from his injury. He needed something to keep his mind busy. Um, otherwise, he was just messing with cricket.
3: <laughs> awesome. So did you take both of them to Equine Affair then? I did. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about your experience there. How did you, How did you get asked to do a demo there? Did you volunteer? How did that all work?
7: Um, so I think the first year I went was maybe 2016, um, and Jennifer Daniels, who was previously the trainer at New Vocations and adopted me out both of my horses, um, sent me a message on Facebook and she was like, I think I remember <laughs> you have your standard breads and you're in the area. <laughs> would you be willing to go to, uh, well, I actually only had cricket at the time. She was like, would you be willing to go to the equine affair in Massachusetts? And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into because I'd never been to the equine affair before. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I love standard bread. <laughs> I want to meet more standard people like sign me up um so I went my first year with just cricket I had such a great time and we've been going back ever since and then when I had the two horses well I just have the two horses and it's really hard to leave one home alone as you know why I have the two horses (laughs) um so they both went um the first year I brought Tomcat this must have been my fourth year then the first year I brought Tomcat he had been maybe three months off the track and I stuck that sucker in the petting stall <laughs> people pet him. I brought him into the demos and he was so good and tried so hard and he was really brave in front of the crowd. And, you know, he was really great. And I'd only had him off the track for three or four months at that point. And I was like, all right. Wow.
1: My <laughs> horse would have good lost her marbles.
7: <laughs> 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 like I said, the standard are just so, you know, they're so quiet and they're kind of just like, what are you doing? Okay, (laughs) sure. So so for this
3: year's demo, what did you do? Like walk us through it.
7: So this year's demo, (laughs) the first year I went, I did both horses in both demos and I did a horse swap in the middle, um, which was a lot (laughs) and I was like, I'm not ever doing that again. (laughs) So (laughs) this year I got a little smarter and I did, there's a demo in in the Coliseum and that's eight minutes long. And so I rode in on cricket and we did a little bit of dressage. He's been in dressage training. And so we just walked trot canter around. One of the things I like to show is that cricket can canner. And so it's just a great way to demonstrate that Santa Bred can canter, They can trot. People think that, you know, pacers only pace. They can canter, They can trot. And he's so good and well-behaved. He was actually a little amped up <laughs> for the demo. So usually he's kind of pokey, but he was actually in front of my leg, which was really nice. So I just had a little short dressage demo on him. And, you know, the other girls are in either driving or riding their horses. And then the second demo, it's a longer demo in a smaller ring. And I thought that one suited Tomcat a little more. Um, so I brought him in with his little trick pedestal and he stepped up on the pedestal and um, he just kind of trotted around a little bit in just the halter and my back pad. And he was so good. He tried so hard during that demo.
3: Wonderful. And I th- think I saw that you had a YouTube video of the demo if people wanted to take a look at seeing standard breads in action.
7: Yeah, uh, my husband put that together for us. We got back and he took videos of both demos. He took videos of me the entire weekend because he's great. Uh, But we got back from the Equine Affair and he edited the video together for us and did a little voiceover. um, And we posted it on my YouTube Wonderful.
3: And so people can find your YouTube at, what's your, what's your title for that one?
7: Uh, Colleen Dolan Tran. Just my name. Okay. Right
3: under your name. Okay. Some people do the the hashtags and all kinds of, I'm not cool. I'm not young <laughs> like that where I can come up with clever names. So I'm the same way. Awesome. And if yeah, people want to follow me, that's a simple way to do it. It's the best way to do it. Um, if people want to follow you and Cricket and Tonko, where can they do that?
7: my instagram at nolan
3: colleen perfect well thank you so much colleen for coming on and you know thank you so much for being an ambassador for this breed as well you, we, again we hear so much of off the track thoroughbreds and we're just kind of learning about off the track standardbreds breads on this show we want to expose them more and be an advocate for them so thank you again for coming on today sure it's my pleasure wonderful thanks again and from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding curve is taken second. But California
0: Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby. And now it's time for the new vocations, Winter Circle, Adoptable Horse of the Week.
3: Well, it's an amazing time where we have new vocations on with us. And there's some interesting things happening that are gonna make my husband super nervous. Sarah, welcome back to the show (laughs) to tell us about how I can give you more money so I can get another horse. You are the
1: best.
7: (laughs) (laughs) We so appreciate it. So we are getting ready to launch our December special. Every year we do half off all adoption fees of all of our horses in hopes that someone will want a Christmas present from us. And it is on both our thoroughbred and standard bred retired racehorses. It's every horse within our program that is listed online adopted out between December 1 and December 31.
3: Oh my goodness. That's some temptation. (laughs) So I know that like there's at least four horses I've been following you guys on. I'm like, "I I could make room in
7: my barn for (laughs) that horse so
3: now I can have one ready for Christmas and put a bow on
7: her head exactly just imagine how cute that would be with a bow on him it'd be perfect
3: I love it so much and speaking of cute horses we have Laura on and Laura is the first time on retired racehorse radio and she's going to tell us about our standard bred adoptable horse today welcome to the show Laura
1: Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about Mark Cruz. He is absolutely adorable. I'm not sure what's the most adorable about him, if it's his little brown eyes or his little white brown nose because he's got his winter coat. Um, But he is fantastic. And what would you like me to tell you about him? Because he's been doing some great things since he's come to us a couple weeks ago.
3: Sure. Tell us about his personality because his eyes are just so soft, and he looks like he's just a big love bug.
1: He is. He's very sweet. You go into the stall with him, and he is just happy to snuggle and
5: get around you and be
1: comfortable, and he wants to please. So I do love the fact that when I go into work with him, he's very happy. He's very content. Um, he does jump around a little bit on the crosshairs, but I think that's just being in a new place right now um, because as soon as we come into the arena. He is so happy to work. He is very honest about it. He wants to go up and do whatever we've taught him to do. So we worked with him on standing at the mounting block. And after a little bit of time, that stuck with him. And his personality is just that. He is happy to kind of do what you teach him and follow through. And I haven't been surprised by anything. He's very honest.
3: Oh, what a lovely horse. And where do you think direction-wise he's going to be going? And do you think he'll be more of a hunter jumper? Do you think he'll be dressage? Western?
1: Well, we've had him in English tech. We've had him in Western tech and we've had him bareback. He okay. chopped. He started to cancer this week and uh, he's not slow. So even though I've had him in Western tech, he's certainly not slow. Um, I think he could do the English disciplines very well. I think he could excel at a trail hunt because We put a little obstacle course out for him this weekend with poles and cones to go around and a tarp to walk over, and he handled all that like it was nothing.
3: I love that. And what I love so much, I'm looking at his pictures because I'm just like jaw dropped with him. He's got like this beautiful refined head and these cute little ears, but he's got a nice strong shoulder and a straight back. Like he looks like a fit horse who could really take on just about anything you ask of him. So pretty versatile horse and sounds like personality wise, the one that you'd want for Christmas for sure.
1: Oh, anyone that gets him under the tree will be very happy. (laughs) He really will do whatever you ask. Um, And he could go in pretty much any direction. I like his face. He kind of reminds me of a Morgan Araby kind of thing. Mm-hmm, that's what I was and thinking then, of, too. Yeah, it just just that sweet, kind of cuddly, beautiful eye, beautiful nose. But you're right about his body. He, his conformation is lovely, um, and his back is lovely. So, you know, I just look at him, and I think he could do really anything someone wanted to do with him would not be a problem. He'd be very happy to... Excel at whatever his next Lifetime will be So
3: his name is Ma Cruz If you guys are looking for your next Standard bred horse you can find him at Horseadoption.com He's a fifteen three 2013 Bay gelding going for the High price dollar of $500 adoption fee With a special of 50% off so $250 gets you this phenomenal Athletic horse I mean he's practically free <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for coming on. I'm going to be doing some Christmas shopping. And if you aren't in the position to get a horse right now, maybe think about giving a Christmas gift to New Vocations. Um, they have their gift shop. You can get something for someone who's a lover of X horses, or you can make a donation in someone's name for them. Um, just a really nice gift to do as well. Thank you guys again for coming on.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much.
3: You can find our show notes and links to today's guest on the website at retired Like us on Facebook and Instagram, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio, and follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. Jamie's email is jamie at horseradionetwork.com, and my email is joy at horseradionetwork.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at joyhequestrian. equestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Products, and Bait Saddles. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Guys, I thank you so much for being listeners too. I cannot say it enough. If you could take the time to subscribe to our podcast as well as leave us a review that really helps other people find us so if you want to do that for our other shows i know they'll love it it's the perfect christmas gift for us host at horse radio network and don't forget to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride and spay neuter and geld bye guys